Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery and addiction topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The views expressed here are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's recovery, sort of. I'm Jason. I'm a guy in recovery, I think, until after this conversation. (laughs) I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. And uh, sorry for being late this week. We've already had at least one person message us and say, where the hell is the podcast at? You guys are slacking. Uh, Yeah, well, I was on vacation and and then came back very, very late last night. And so uh, I would not have made it this morning, even if Billy wasn't out on the boat. So I won't blame him whatsoever. Um, but we did. Man, vacation fucked me all up. We didn't even post the the podcast last week to like any social media spots. So probably nobody heard it. But if you did, it was about step eight. Um, and, you know, we got a little bit of feedback about that. Jenny was talking to us about it. And I don't know if you had a chance to hear it. So we got cut off at the end and I had posed oh, a I question to, to you. So after I pose the question to you, it's just this segue music, and then it's like, hey, Billy didn't get to answer that, so <laughs> now there's a cliffhanger, and uh, we got to remember what the fuck the question was so you can answer it on step nine, because I think it was about that. Oh, it was, oh, the, it was about sponsorship. Yeah. I'm trying to remember How exactly. much input you had on whether people made amends, or how they made amends, or who they talked to, like how you felt about that. And so it was open for interpretation for others to answer. Yeah. Do you remember? Uh, I, I vaguely remember the question, and now out of that conversation, it seems kind of like, huh, I don't know. i got to think about it all over again. Well, well, we'll definitely figure it out. You have a whole month almost. Um, and so Jenny listened to that, and she loved the ending. And she said that uh, – oh, here's my, my fact check. She did think that what I described about Buddhism was pretty right on, that I can't change other people. I can only change me. But that doesn't give me an excuse not to say sorry. But apologizing seems to come naturally when I change myself. And so I think her version of that was saying that, like, uh, it's not necessarily that we work ourselves up for the apology. We work ourselves up for the internal change, kind of like we were talking about how step eight, seeing the evidence and effects of our actions on others helps us to go back and, and have more humility and surrender for the character defects to change, right? And so she's saying that through that process, we're just become genuinely sorry and want to apologize. It's not really something we have to work towards. Right. And so I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, and then Stephanie had mentioned to us that she felt like making the list helped to see that her behaviors and actions toward others had real effects or even consequences. Um, even though she might not feel like she was bothering anyone, rarely is that the case of what's really going on. There's usually somebody being affected by what's happening. And it teaches her accountability. Um, 
it's not so much that she has to be a people pleaser and, and, you know, make others happy all the time, but she does have to be mindful that when she's making decisions, they're going to have a ripple effect in the ocean, right? They're going to affect other people, whether you mean them to or not. And sometimes, and I guess, you know, this is just maybe reading into what she said a little bit. Sometimes the decisions I make, even if they are the best decision for me and my family or whatever, that is going to have a negative impact on other people. And that doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean I can't do it. It just means that that's what I got to take into consideration while I'm thinking about making that decision. Like, hey, this is also going to affect these people not so well. Is it worth whatever I'm gaining out of it to do that? Yeah, and I think a big part of that uh, step eight for me too was, was just that. It's like... Really looking at um, the the change I needed to care about how my actions affected other people. I don't know, I'm not saying that well. But when I was using, I always thought, I'm not hurting anybody but myself. And if what I do, if like my family, for example, if my mom says, my feelings are hurt by you know, what you're doing. I'm like, well, that's your fault. That's your feelings. I'm not responsible for your feelings. And I didn't make that connection Mm -hmm. until I got into like step work and realized that like, yes, my actions do have an impact on other people around me. And uh, when I got into recovery was the first time I really started taking responsibility for the way my actions affected other people. And that's such a fine line to walk because, uh, you know, there's a very thin, you know, canyon in between those two mountains of like what I do affects people. And yet at the same time, your feelings are yours to deal with. And some things I do are going to hurt your feelings, even when they're the right thing for me to do. And, you know, you need to deal with that. And so it's very it's it's hard to walk that yeah. the balancing act. But I think like the the process of, you know, the awakening of the spirit that we get through recovery, you know, these spiritual awakenings, if you want to use, you know, recover more recovery centered language, like that's what spiritual awakenings to me are, is this awareness like, hey, I need to kind of balance out like my actions affect other people, but my, you know, beliefs and values have meaning too. And how do I weigh those two things out to make the, the best decision for myself? while causing the least amount of harm to others or, you know, like, like trying to balance through that stuff and, and have an awareness on how we affect the world around us. Yeah. It's super tricky. I, I wish the bugs I'm sitting here. If you're watching on YouTube, I keep itching my goddamn legs. I wish the bugs had more awareness of me and how yeah. they affect me. Cause they fucked me up down in Georgia. Um, yeah. So to this week, we're going to talk about honesty which I think it sounds like an incredibly boring fucking topic um, <laughs> until you get to some of the parts we just talked about right before we started recording. And then it becomes an incredibly interesting topic, I think, or at least debate. Um, I don't know that there's any right answers or that will come to any right answers, but there's definitely some interesting points. And so I think maybe I'll start with uh, <clears throat> I have often thought, you know, obviously we get more honest as we get here. I believe that, you know, we, we come around, I probably got pretty honest and then I got super honest, which was not beneficial because I hurt people's feelings and with my honesty, right? Because the whole honesty without compassion is abuse saying, and then I probably tempered it back down. And, And so, you know, there's, I can be honest in what I'm doing. Uh, then there's the level of honesty that I either, 
don't have the capability of having yet, that self-honesty, like that part of me that I'm just not able to see yet. Everybody else might know it's true, and I might say it's not, and that doesn't mean I'm being dishonest. That just means I'm not capable of seeing that that self-centered part of me yet, or whatever it is. Um, and so, is it is honesty a no-matter-what principle? Like, I think that's kind of my ultimate question, and I don't I don't know that there's an answer to that, but I think that's where I'm going with this podcast, maybe. Is honesty a no-matter-what principle? Do you have to be honest no matter what? Is that always the right thing to do? And I know somebody right now is thinking, well, what if a killer puts a gun to your kid's head and says, right? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, obviously, Silly in thing. those situations, yeah. we might need to lie for something. But is there any other reason you ever need to lie in your life? What's your immediate answer to that (laughs) so and for the non-religious guy i'm going to go to a bible verse for this (laughs) here we go the good story so one of and i actually had a a minister at a church uh explain this to me in this way and i've always loved it and i i use it um in my life now for a lot of application of spiritual principles and so um in the bible there's a verse like the wages of sin are death Mm-hmm. And, you know, we sort of always hear that in some sort of literal way or, or the way the Bible's applied. A lot of times it's meant to be this literal kind of thing like, oh, if you sin, you're going to die or whatever. And uh, the way that he described it to us, it's like when when I commit a sin, there's like there's a cost to that. And not it might not be like a literal death. But, you know, for example, if you and I are a friendship and we're in a relationship you know as friends and then i lie i am i am damaged i'm causing harm to that relationship like a a death yeah if you tell me you can't hit my anniversary and then i see pictures on facebook that you're at a party or something right i'm gonna be hurt by right so you know that application of like the wages of sin are are death is like you know there's there's negative consequences that come along anytime i quote unquote sin. And so I've applied that in my life to be how I look at most of these spiritual principles. Um, There may be times that I don't apply them or I make a different decision than probably what is technically the most spiritual. Um, But again, back to like awareness, like trying to be aware, like, hey, there is a cost that comes with this. Mm. There is a price that comes with this. And then it's up to me to whether, you know, try to weigh out whether that price is worth it or not so for me personally i would say nothing is a no matter what principle you know there's there's always some gray there's wiggle room yeah in everything (laughs) if you're willing to pay the price they say i'm never going to use no matter what well i had surgery a couple times and got pain medication from a doctor i took it you know i drink coffee i drink you know i've ingested a lot of caffeine very rapidly to try to not to get high but just to alter my state you know it's like i don't i don't put myself in these no matter what i gotta you know categories i got you so i you when you describe that it kind of remind me of um a little picture i always had in my head that we use these spiritual principles through the process of the steps, or if you're not working recovery through the steps, through whatever recovery process you get, you get more in touch with yourself, right? We uh, figure out who we are and do it on purpose. You know, we've mentioned that before. And so 
in doing that, in figuring out who we are, in living these spiritual principles, I, I look at it as like I have, I'm just standing like in an open field for some reason. I don't know why I'm standing in an open field, but that's where I am. And I have bricks and mortar, right? And I have a hammer. And every time I don't act on a spiritual principle, if I decide to lie to someone, if I decide to uh, not be open-minded, like every time I don't live in a principle, I'm kind of like laying another brick, right? And I'm, I'm building this like four walls around me. And the longer I do that, the more I separate myself from the world. And what I think of it as my connection, you can call it God, but my connection to the universe, right? My spirit is filled up through this universal energy and I slowly, brick by brick, block it the fuck out so that I can't communicate with it anymore. And when I do that, I feel shitty, right? And it's living in these spiritual principles that I believe in that I start knocking the bricks down with the hammer. And the more I knock them down, the better I feel because I'm more connected to the universe. And so kind of, to me, goes right along with what you were saying. Like, the price might not even be hurting somebody else, even though somebody seems to always be hurt by everything I do. But the price is just that I don't feel as fucking good about myself when I don't act on the spiritual principles I believe in. Uh, right now, going through this situation that I just brought up to you that we're about to talk about here, like, I'm already fucking questioning my behaviors. <laughs> like, I know it's not right. And... So what do I think? I'm just going to do it and feel okay with it? Am I going to, like, wipe the sweat off my brow? Like, phew, got away with that one? No. I I know I did it. It doesn't matter if anybody ever finds out or any damage is already done. I'm ready to compromise my principle of honesty this week. And and I'll give you – this is just a silly one. And it's funny you say that. Like, you know, this, this shit sticks with you no matter what. So – and I run into this almost every year when I do our taxes. So <laughs> we make donations to charities at different times for different things. God, my wife donates so much money to Voices every time it's somebody's birthday fundraiser or whatever. But we make some other donations. We donate different stuff, different places. And it's never a tremendous amount of money. We're not overly wealthy, but it's probably a few hundred dollars you know, here and there over the year. And every year that I do my taxes, I'm like, God damn it, we got to get receipts for this stuff, you know, because you can right. claim it. And then I don't. And then it gets to the end of the year, and I just pick a number that I think is fair and write that on there and just send it in. And like, well, that's like it's being dishonest. I don't, I don't know. I could be off one way or another. I like to justify it by just saying, well, I'm sure we donated more, <laughs> you know, like I'm sure it was more than that. So I'll just use, you know, $400 or $500, whatever I think is, is a good number, you know, but it's like, that's a, a dishonesty. And every year when it comes up, I'm like, ah, oh, am I going to do that this year? <laughs> like, you know, it's like, I feel that little bit of guilt. It's right. like, this is, I know it's not the right thing to do. So I don't even try to guess how much we did. I just look at the max amount that the IRS doesn't question and put that every <laughs> <Right>. year. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sure we've given at least right. that. I don't, I don't know that, though. I'm, I'm right with you there. And it's funny you said, you know, justify. And I was thinking justification and rationalization because that is already what has come up when I'm trying to talk myself into behaving like I'm about to behave this week. It's already like, I'm like, well, I was safe while I was down there. Right. So just so we're not baffling anybody, my family and I went to Georgia this week, which is, you know, one of the top five states of coronavirus. Um, and after being there, no fucking wonder why, right. Nobody gives a shit about the mask rule whatsoever. Um, 
But we went to a little tiny place on the coast. It's called Jekyll Island. It's seven miles long, three miles wide. Uh, you got to pay $7 to get on it for the day or whatever. So it's a little island. I wear a mask. My family wears a mask. We wore a mask anytime we went in a goddamn store. Never fails. Like we're committed to that. I, you know, hopefully it works. I don't still, you know, I'm not a scientist. I didn't do the the tests, but I'm assuming it's doing something. And so we wore masks. We did the safe things to do. Spent most of our time on the beach. Did a little bit of fishing. The beach is exactly what I was looking for in a beach, which is basically fucking empty, completely empty. There was like a mile stretch of beach where right by the house we were at. Might have been 20 people on it at the most crowded time. And so it was very easy to socially distance while you were out there. We were 30 feet from the closest people at all times. That's not the concern. The concern is like the few times we had to run into the little market or or the highs or whatever it was. God, I just gave highs a promotion. Whatever the fucking (laughs) gas station was. And uh, that was not – that didn't feel good to me. We were safe, but everybody else who was ignoring the rules on the door of wearing masks – did not make me feel safe. And, and apparently no businesses are actually enforcing it down there. Um, and so in Maryland, when you go to Georgia right now, they say when you come back, you need to quarantine and get tested. I don't want to get tested, right? I, I've had a procedure done where they had to stick a camera down through my nose cavity or whatever the fuck. And I that feeling really, really disturbs me. And so I don't want them to put a fucking Q-tip up there. I'm, I'm against it. I'm against it for me. I'm against it for my five kids, one of which is a, you know, a one-year-old. Like, I'm just not for us doing this. I think it sounds shitty. Uh, but beyond that, you got my buddy Jack, who's throwing the conspiracy theory in my ear that they're giving COVID to people when they <laughs> test them and shit. And I'm all <laughs> fucked up about it, right? So I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I don't want to follow the rules. I don't want to quarantine for two weeks and or till my test results come back. I have already been to a store and, you know, I didn't warn them when I walked in the store. I wore my mask, but I didn't warn them and say, hey, I've been to Georgia for two weeks. I want you to know to keep back. Like I did tell Billy before I came here that I was willing to go remote if that wasn't feeling safe for him. Um, I plan on going to the grocery store this week and not getting tested. I have a dental procedure that needs to be taken care of sooner rather than later. And I need to call them tomorrow and make the appointment. And I'm hoping it's this week. And my intention when they ask me, have you been out of state, is to say no. Because I don't want to have to get tested or put off getting the procedure done. Like I've already had an abscess. I got the medicine for it. Abscess is starting to come back. I need the procedure done. I don't want to do a whole more antibiotics and all that. So I'm getting ready to lie to people about this, and I'm already not following the safety guidelines that, you know, probably two months ago I would have been like, oh, that's fucked up. Somebody's not following the safety guidelines. Here I am. Now I say, oh, well, I did everything safe down there. So this is like a little white lie, you know, the way we explain it away. I did all the right stuff, but I'm not doing the right stuff now. I'm not following the rules now. Whether I follow the rules there or not, I'm not following the rules of get tested. And so, like, the repercussions of this could be major. Will I ever know that? Probably not. But could I give it to the dentist who takes it home and one of his parents dies from it? it this shit is real, right? Like, I, I guess. I'm not thinking about that a whole lot. But So, the point being, I already feel shitty about <laughs> the fact that I need this dental work done and I'm not going to get tested and I'm going to tell them I haven't been out of state. 
and I'm basically putting people at risk, and that's kind of shitty. Yeah, and and those are the choices where we have to weigh out. Like, you know, what do we? What do you think the effects on yourself would be? What do you think the effects would be if you found out you had it and got someone sick or got whatever? Would you be okay with that? Like, would you be okay with making the same decision with the worst possible outcome? Mm. So knowing somebody dies, probably not. Yeah. Well, I mean, not. maybe not even knowing they die, just knowing someone gets sick or whatever. I, and I'm sitting here thinking in my head, I'm just like, I would probably rather put off the procedure for a week and just say, at least I'll feel better knowing I haven't shown any symptoms for a week of being home. Then I, I'd rather do that than go get tested. Right. Like, <laughs> and, and there's a weird, so I've had this discussion with some people at work about, you know, following some of these rules and doing some of this stuff and and what's hard for most of us is that we all have a different level and and this will tie back into the honesty and what we're okay with we all have a different level of what we think is safe and what we think is okay and then Mm. what we think is a little more risky and like i use the example i said like for us um i am fine going out to restaurants doesn't bother me you know what i mean done that a few times they've all been you know, the restaurants themselves are practicing the social distancing. I haven't been in anywhere that's, like, overly crowded or where people aren't, you know, wearing masks. Well, I guess you don't wear masks at your table. But, right. you know, but I've been to restaurants, a couple different ones. I'm fine with that. Um, I've been out and about in public. I've been to gatherings at people's houses. Probably less than, I'd say, less than 20 people. Um, I don't think I've been anywhere more than 20 people. We decided not to have something at our house because we were worried there'd be more people than were comfortable. Um, and I pretty much go out. I go to the gym, you know, so I'm not overly paranoid. But I probably wouldn't go to a crowded movie theater, you know what I mean, if there was a brand-new movie opening and they weren't, like, blocking off seats or blocking off rows and I knew there might be fucking 200 people in there. I'm not going. Right. You know, I probably wouldn't go. To, I definitely wouldn't go to like a baseball game or something where there was forty thousand people. You know, be like fuck that, I'm out. You know, I'm not doing that. Probably wouldn't go to a carnival or you know the fair if they had to fair. Um, but each of us has our own what we're okay with in that scenario. You know, there are some people that be like, yeah, fuck it. I mean, you saw the people went to the Trump rally with thousands of people there, and there are people that go to these, you know, concerts and shit with thousands of people and they're completely okay with that they just had the bike rally thing didn't they was that south dakota sturgis or something oh did they have it i, I didn't so. hear about that I one thought yet, that was but, this weekend you know. um but where this goes back to with the spiritual principles is the same thing like each of us has our own uh level of what we're comfortable with you know and and what we're okay with um in in trying to live by these principles you know, when I was using, I didn't care. I didn't really have any principles. As I got into recovery, I slowly began to practice them on a very uh, surfacey basis, most in the beginning. And now they've gained a much deeper meaning and a much deeper uh, impact on my life. So I try to really apply them in all my affairs. Um, would I be okay with? You know, in your situation, you know, doing that and then going home and laying down at night and being okay with with that person. Um, Again, I think it would be important for me to say, well, if I really think of what's the worst thing that could happen and then play it out as that, am I okay with that? 
you know, that would be something I would try to measure that against. Are you? If I were you? Yeah. No, I would. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to make the decision for you, and no, I won't I... judge you either way. But I wouldn't do that. So I would either get a test or wait two weeks. And in, in the case of just having been through a really bad abscess tooth like a year ago, fuck that. I'll get them to stick the thing up my nose. But I haven't had that. Like, I don't have the hang-up with it that right. you have. So it's easy for me to say that. It's incredibly interesting, too, because you're talking about comfort levels of, of people going out and, and how they feel. I will not eat in a restaurant, right? You said that, and I'm, like, shuddering over here. I'm like, nope, <laughs> taking all my motherfucking food home. Like, I ain't eating <laughs> right. near people at all, especially not indoors. Outdoors, yeah, maybe, if I'm far enough away. But indoors, not a fucking chance, right? You went to a gathering of, like, you said less than 20 people. I have not been near anyone except family members, and I will not. I'm just not there. I'm not going to any gatherings. I guess with a mask and distanced, maybe I'd stand this far away from you and talk with a mask on at a backyard picnic, but that would just be kind of fucking weird. I don't know. So I'm like, God, I feel like your behaviors are are more, (laughs) I don't want to say more risky, but you are more comfortable. Your comfort Mm -hmm. level with that is higher, right? I would think... Those behaviors, and this is where the whole, and here I am, justifying and rationalizing, right? I'm like, oh, somebody that's doing that needs to get tested before they go to the dentist. Not somebody who went out of state and did it safely. Like, I'm probably safer in Georgia than he was here. And I'm just like, is that true? I don't fucking know. I have no idea. I should preface this, my wife would tell you, that I should preface most of this by saying I am a complete fucking rule follower most everything. She gets mad because she's the type of person that will ignore rules that she thinks are stupid. <laughs> like, right. She'll say, well, that's a dumb rule, and she'll just do what she wants anyway. You know, Let's say like you're in a hotel, and they say you got to wear fucking shoes through the hotel or whatever. She goes, well, that's stupid, and she'll just do whatever she wants. I'm just going to the pool. It doesn't matter. Right. Whereas I'm like, nope, that's the rule. That's what we got to do. It doesn't matter if we like it or not. That's what we do. So what's different so, here? I'm a rule follower. I think I'm following the rules. I mean, I like say as as far as I understand them, maybe yeah. I, don't, I mean, the I don't gathering really yeah, we were sure. at at the friend's house was definitely less than twenty people. Is that the um, new rule? Twenty? I don't. I no it keeps idea. changing. Yeah, so I'm not <laughs> sure. But like, I wear a mask anytime I go out. When we do go to restaurants, like we wear our mask in the restaurant. We go. I take them off when we sit at our table. There's been a couple of times actually that I start to feel weird, and I'll kind of put it back on when the waitress comes over because I right. feel like that's respectful to that person. You know. Yeah. Like, um, not every time, but I have done that a couple times. Just I'm like, well, you know, they got to work in this shit around all these assholes like me that are out at restaurants. So, you know. Um, but, yeah, like I'm okay with that, you know, feeling like I'm following the rules. But, and again, where we differ is my situation is different. Like I don't feel like there's anyone in my home that I am putting at any kind of risk. Mm. You know, I'm not around any older people. I don't have a young infant. I have, you know, two kids that live at home that are pretty healthy, and my wife is pretty healthy, and none of us smoke, and, you know. I always have this fear, even when everybody is healthy, just these weird, random, offshoot cases of people who are healthy and young and still pass, and I'm like, man, i just terrified of that. Well, that's—so, in my mind, how I've become okay with that, like, yes, that can happen. But that's like saying when I drive out of here and get my car to go back home, mm. I can get in a car accident. And the right. odds are low 
right. you know, that even if I get COVID, that I'm going to get sick and get seriously ill or die. It can happen. It's definitely a possibility. I don't want to get it. I'm not out fucking licking COVID lollipops or nothing. <laughs> you know, I want to stay away from it. So that's why I wear a mask and I do try to do the social distancing and stuff. I, I go out to meetings and I try not to really hug people and I try to keep my distance when I'm at those things or around people I don't really know, especially. Right. Um, but there's a, a risk to life in general, you know, whereas I have, I mean, I'm always willing to take some kind of risk. Yeah, yeah. And I think you make a good point there that there is like a, you know, we can take precautions for things. But in the end, like there are some things that are never you can't be totally safe anywhere ever. Right. right. It's just not a thing unless you live in a bubble. And even then <laughs> right. a bubble could run out of oxygen or something. Right. Uh, so let's take our break here and, and, and we'll do the voices that I know you had mentioned another situation upcoming where you were thinking about possibly some uh some some dishonesty yeah. um and while right before i mentioned voices that their, their rubber ducky race is coming up so yes. if you want to grab a rubber ducky it's five dollars it's going to be online and we can watch it and hopefully it's not a two-hour rubber ducky race <laughs> yeah. they don't get stuck um but feel free to go on facebook and and find voices of hope or or right on the internet voices of hope i don't know cecil county i think is the voices fucking, of hope cecil md there you go I, I always google search it and i'm like voices <laughs> of hope cecil county and it comes up uh so go ahead and get your rubber duckies for five dollars and and we'll all be watching that craziness when it happens and then we'll be right back this episode has been brought to you by voices of hope inc a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in maryland Voices of Hope is made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Here we are. We're back, and now I'm going to let Billy tell his version of his uh, most recent struggle with honesty. So, like most people at the beginning of COVID, you know, my son uh, has been home playing video games since March. Um, we had big plans to start doing all these physical activities on the weekends or, or going out, you know, hiking and biking and all this great stuff we were going to do to keep everyone active. Um, that lasted a few weeks and then, you know, my work routine never stopped. So I stayed in the same work routine as I always was. And, uh, we got involved in some home projects and long story short, we really weren't doing a lot of physical activity with the kids and he's 11. So staying home, playing video games is fucking great for him. He's couldn't be happier. Um, now fast forward, you know, five months later and that's really all. Like, he has no motivation to do much of anything. He's got his friends online that he chats with, 
and he couldn't be happier of just playing video games, watching YouTube and Netflix and stuff all day, and just being a vegetable, you know, at, at home all day. So uh, he did express some interest in wanting to go to the gym. I get up and go to the gym every morning at like 5 o'clock. Um, he had expressed some interest in wanting to go, but you have to be, I think it's 13 to get, we go to Planet Fitness, not to give a plug to them, but that's just where I go. Right. And uh, you have to be 13. So he's a big kid for his age. You know, they would never know by looking at him. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to lie. I'm just going to go in there, tell him he's 13. Are they going to ask for a birth certificate? Eh, probably not. I could probably just sign him up, go in. It'll be fine. I'll get him a card. Nobody will ever know. And, uh, you know, then we would start going. I would have to change my schedule, go in the evenings or whatever, but we could make it work. And that would be beneficial for him um, because he would be getting out and exercising, doing the things, you know, that he wants to do for himself. And, and I think it would be good for him as well. Um, so, yeah, my goal, I guess, I think justifies the lie. <laughs> so why do you think they have the rule of 13? Is My for... opinion? Oh, it's probably like most of this what age needs to wear a mask and all this other shit. Uh... It's just some arbitrary. They have to pick a number somewhere, so they just pick one. They probably pick, you know, what is the average age that most kids hit puberty <laughs> where they can do muscle development and it won't impact their growth? You know what I mean? Right. I'm sure. I, I can't say I'm sure. That's my uneducated guess. I, I didn't know if it was more for liability or more for any actual, you know, scientific studies that show that they it won't hurt you from this age on, or maybe just studies of like who can follow rules and pay attention. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not sure. I, I think the why, uh, again, not a plug for the why, but that was where we were at before all this stuff, and theirs is 14, and so. My story is that last year before my daughters turned 14, we were members at the Y and they wanted, they showed interest in wanting to come in the gym. And I was like, fuck it, you're 14. Like, I I don't have any qualms about that (laughs) at all. Uh, And it's interesting, kind of, you know, I was thinking about this for the the dentist piece too. Like, I don't want to lie directly to a human about something I feel like affects a human, right? But this is where that eighth step could come into play because generally I look at these institutions as not affecting humans and that's not the case. I'm like, oh, it's the fucking dentist. Well, the dentist is a person who's trying to reasonably stay safe by, you know, screening people for COVID. Uh, the why? Like that there are humans that work there that could be affected by that. Well, why? why you know, they could get fired for letting 13-year-olds in their gym, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how all that works. But I... I look at it as it's a place, and so I don't look at the humans who could be affected by it. And so I didn't give a fuck. I took them in and worked out. Now, it was very short-lived, and now it doesn't matter anymore. But, yeah, I I, I guess I, I would justify and say I didn't lie because nobody asked. <laughs> yeah, and uh, probably my biggest hang-up, I mean, there's a little bit in me that's like, all right, you know, I don't want to lie. I have two bigger hang-ups. One is... What am I teaching my kid about Mm. these rules and stuff? Because he's obviously going to know. And it's going to put him in a weird spot, you know. Now he is, like, lying by default, you know, because he's he's now participating in this dishonesty. And that 
was thrown right in my face last summer. We were at one of the go-kart tracks down in Ocean City. We were in Ocean City, Maryland. They have the go-kart tracks. You had to be 12 or 13, whatever age you had to be to ride certain go-karts. And I said, oh, we'll just tell them you're old enough. If they ask your age, you know, just tell them you're 13. Or, Or I said, oh, he's 13. And the guy says, well, what's your birthday? Well, he says his birthday, what it really is, because he's not, you know, in his mind, it's it's too much for an 11-year-old to try to start doing math and know he needs to take a year off and, you know, all that stuff. So he said his birthday, and the guy's like, yeah, you're not old enough. And then I felt bad because I put him in that spot, Uh. and he now, you know, was was caught in the middle of – disappointing me like because we had a conversation about this afterwards and he felt like he was disappointing me because he wasn't able to participate in the lie you know right. and it was just a weird situation of like wow that was fucked up and i can't believe that i put my kid in that awkward of a situation you know because i didn't care yeah i'm and and this is one of those things that you know while my daughters they're twins by the way for anybody who wonders why i keep saying plural <laughs> my daughters um while they might never actually say this out loud because they know I probably wouldn't appreciate it too much, uh, it very much becomes, well, I was willing to you know, lie, stretch the truth, whatever, when it was convenient for me because I wanted them to work out with me. But, you know, when they if they wanted to get a tattoo at 17 or, you know, some other thing at an earlier age, like I would totally not be OK with that. And so I, I could understand their complaints about that. Like, how come we can do it when it's good for you, but not when it's good for us? Like, we want to cut corners when it's good for us, too. Right. We want to not be patient and, and wait for that. And that's what you know, you bring up uh, showing kids dishonesty, right? Like, I, I don't feel like I'm struggling with that with the dentist piece because they won't have to see it. <laughs> but yeah, how often do I show my kids that you can break the rules when it's convenient for your life? When I judge, it's not going to have enough of an effect on anybody for it to matter, right? How come I get to choose that and they don't? And what am I showing them in that choice? Yeah. Well, and I think, and I hope it's okay to bring this up, but I think you brought that up with like when we were getting together and you weren't letting them go to their friends, but then yeah. you were coming and meeting up with me and they had brought that up to you. Like, yeah. how come it's okay for you to do it, but not for us? Right. You know? And and they don't understand the point that I would say behind that, which is that I trust myself to follow the rules, basically. Like, we stay pretty far apart. We don't hug or anything. Like, I don't know what they're going to do with their friends. I don't. They're going to do whatever the fuck their friends right. do. They don't understand the nuance of my justifications, Dan. <laughs> yes, <it>. exactly. <laughs> they don't get how uh, well I can do this. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I just, I think these are interesting questions. Do you know what you're going to do? Are you going to take them to... to the gym so i haven't yet um just in and i didn't really think of this before until just now i was like well maybe i should go and talk to him about it and say Mm. hey do you really want to go to the gym i'm willing to go in and tell them that you're 13 if you're okay with that you know but i don't want to put you in a weird spot i don't want you to you know so maybe i'll do that talk to him about it see if he's really interested and the truth is and and this is part of my justification for doing it too is i feel like the same thing i feel like it's going to be really short lived he's going to want to go you know two weeks maybe. if that you know <laughs> right and it's like the first time that it cuts into his really good fucking video game session with his friends online because i'm regimented and it's like no we go at 6 you know that's we're going at 6 right the first time it starts cutting into that shit, he's 
gonna give up on it. Um, that's me, you know, playing it out the way I think it'll play out. Who knows? I could be completely wrong. But. It's so interesting that we do that because, like, the reality for me that I'm looking at and you talking about this, I could have just as easily taken my daughter's in our backyard and done workouts until they were 14. Like I didn't, it didn't have to be gym workouts. I am more motivated by gym equipment for some reason. It just seems easier. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm lazy. Um, they were more motivated by the fact, I guess either that it was the gym and they never could before or, or whatever it was that got them in there for a few times. But I could have just done it the right way. And it wouldn't have really like for the, for the ultimate goal, the ultimate goal of like us all being more fit, we could have done it in the backyard and not broken any rules, but that wasn't even a consideration at the time. <laughs> right. right? I, I guess that doesn't necessarily apply to the dentist thing unless I just wait two weeks or whatever it is that, that pleases everyone. I think then I can tell the truth. Hey, yeah, I've been in state for two weeks and, and I still don't get tested. I can't get a backyard dentist. Like that's not a thing. Yeah. And, I, and one of my is. previous sponsors pointed out to me before, like we, as addicts, we seem to live in this world of like it's it's all or nothing. It's like any time a scenario comes up, we give ourselves like one of two extremes as options. It's like, you know, he can't go to the gym at all or do any kind of workouts or we have to fucking lie to Planet Fitness and commit some kind of fraud to get in there and go. And the truth is there's probably some other options if I like – did a little bit of research, weighed them out, looked at what the possibilities are. Right. You know, maybe there's a different gym we could go to. Maybe there's a different, you know, scenario. Maybe we buy a weight bench. You know, who knows? There's there's all kinds of scenarios. But in my head, it's like we do nothing at all or we lie to Planet Fitness. <laughs> and that's the two fucking scenarios. <laughs> I don't know if that's addicts. I feel like that's where the U.S. is right now. There's just two scenarios. Right. Just pick one and that's the truth. Right. Pick a side. That's it. And so, uh, you know, the other part of honesty, at least another place that I would take it after we talk about, you know, what kind of message we're showing our kids with showing them dishonesty is what about honesty with kids, right? And, and I get that there's plenty of proponents of be as honest as possible, whatever that means. But like, where is that line? Where do you not tell kids about adult matters or, you know, fudge around the the honesty of an adult matter because a, a kid's in your mind not ready to hear it or, or not ready to hear it a certain way and where that came up for me um in this last week's vacation my mother and her boyfriend were there and and that was kind of like part of the point of our vacation was to get to know him better we, we don't know him quite as well as you know other family members he's newer he's been around for a couple years he's not like brand new but he's newer to our family <laughs> And during the vacation, there was some times of like, I don't know, just for me, it was very much reminiscent of my childhood. My, my mother and father would, you know, get in their arguments and you'd see part of the argument in front of you. And then the rest of it might be behind closed doors where who knows what kind of nasty stuff was said or whatever. And then there's just a vibe afterwards. There's this mood that like sits over top the entire vacation where you feel like you can only do stuff with one parent or the other because they're not talking to each other or whatever. And it, it brought it all back for me to watch her and her boyfriend have an instance or two like that. And it wasn't anything major, but it was just one of those, like I brought it up and pointed it out to my kids. I'm like, Hey, do y'all feel any kind of weird vibe going mm. on or whatever? A, I didn't want it to be something that wasn't talked about, but B, I also kind of wanted to show them my history and say, hey, 
we've probably had vacations like this 10 years ago where I was this person doing this with your mother, right? Um, and I'm trying to like grow and through that, not that I can't be that guy today. I'm trying to be different, but this is where I come from and this is what I learned. And, and I want you to see, you know, why this was my experience. And so maybe the 14s were probably fine with that understanding, right? But maybe I was too honest with my 11-year-old and my 5-year-old. Like maybe maybe they don't need to have that pointed out to them. I, I don't know. Like is there a thing with being honest? I, there's definitely some situations. I know you're ready to talk. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, like I'm not going to talk about sex per se around the 5 and the 11-year-old, not any explicit stories or anything. So there's definitely a line of where my honesty will stop, right? Yeah, me and mommy were wrestling under the covers, not <laughs> right like right. But but where is that and so me and my wife have always tried to be pretty honest with our kids about life situations as they come up. Right. Um and like just like a situation like this, like things come up. So I was raised probably similar like I was raised in a household where you never talked about, like, the elephant in the corner. You know mm. what I mean? You just ignored the obvious. We just acted like everything was fine, even though shit wasn't fine. Right. And so that's still my tendency now, whereas my wife's the complete opposite, you know, in a, in a good way. She's more the, well, something's not right. Let's talk all about it. You know, <laughs> let's get it all out there and, and throw it all, you know, throw it all out and whatever we're feeling and, and all that. And uh, that's been very awkward, but it's been amazing with our kids because the idea now that they're older is that we do want them to be able to come to us and talk to us about things and tell us when things are difficult. I mean, um, we were talking before here, my 14-year-old, she well, should be 15, she doesn't want to do college anymore. She's in a program where she goes to high school half day, college half a day, and she doesn't want to do it. And rather than just, you know, sort of quasi doing it and, and not doing well or or lying and saying, you know, whatever, she brings it up to us and says, I don't want to do this anymore. And that's a difficult thing for her. We tell when we were talking to her about it, there was a lot of, lot of uh, I don't know, uh, worry about disappointing, especially me. And... Uh, mm. she had some apprehension about wanting to talk. Like, I could tell when we were talking about it that she really, you know, she didn't want to feel like she was letting me down. But at right. the same time, she wants to be a 15-year-old kid. She doesn't want all this pressure of all this college work. And so, you know, hopefully, I at least I hope that our experience with talking about these things and being honest about how we're feeling and, and being open with our feelings... Uh, created an environment where she could talk about that, where she could bring it up with us. So she's not forced to do things she doesn't want to do or be overly pressured to be someone she's not. And that's, I, I think that's my goal as a parent too, is to be more in that place where my kids feel like they can talk to me about things. I, I don't think I did that well when my older ones were younger. Right. It was like a concept I didn't really catch on to until maybe midway through their life. And so while I'm trying to adjust what they do or, or, or get from me, uh, they're, you know, they got that programming from early on of something different. Uh, um, it's just so tricky to know. I guess one of the things that came up when you talked about the elephant in the corner and your family would ignore it. Right. And I was picturing my my, you know, inner child or whatever went right back there. And I'm like. 
how fucking wrong does it feel when the whole feeling of what we're doing feels all fucked up and you're acting like everything's normal? They don't go together, <laughs> right. right? No wonder I'm fucked up. I right. can't match up fucked up feelings with, with you know, what's going on in my brain because my brain says, oh, well, everything's normal. Well, yeah, but everything feels fucked up and those two don't even mash up. Like that's such an uncomfortable place to be. Right. Well, and and I just was thinking of this too. I think there's a difference now in in our kids' generation than even in our time growing up as kids. Nowadays, uh, you know, my son is is online video gaming, and I am sure he hears language, Ooh. he hears subject material, you know, right. he hears you know conversations. Um, he has. You know, I'd say unfettered access to the internet because he's got his own laptop. His Xbox is online, yeah. so he can go Google or search up whatever he wants. Um, so I don't know that there is a too young for a lot of things these days. I mean, of course, you want to tailor the conversations to, you know, again, would your five-year-old understand, like, sex conversations? Probably not. That's probably right. not a time. But by... 10 you know that's probably conversations unfortunately that you have to have where at least in our generation i think that could have waited a couple of years whereas now you know kids can really get tons of information um you know my buddy shared a funny story about you know one of his daughters was like eight and he caught her looking at some stuff online that was totally inappropriate for a kid and you know they were able to talk about it and now it's kind of become the joke of their family like every now and again he throws you know a funny thing out while she's on the internet and he'll say you're not over there looking at porn are you right <laughs> like and it but it's you know it's them being able to have that open honest communication about it instead of the old you know you're not old enough don't do this turn that off if i catch you doing that again i'm going to take it away right like, that's what I feel like we would have got. I, yeah. I, yeah, it came to light that my son, my older son, when he was six, had searched up some kind of porn or something, and, and we had a conversation about it. And that's, you know, that was at the beginnings of me just trying to understand how to be a conscious parent, you know, somebody who's awake and, and paying attention. What do I teach him if I just snatch this from him and tell him he's bad and, you know, run away and he can't have a tablet anymore. Is that like, <laughs> right. that's shame. That's all I'm doing right. is teaching shame, not, you know, the conversation we had. And I don't remember exactly what it was, obviously, at this point. But it was very much like, hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with what you were looking up. And once you get to a certain age, that'll be fine for you to look up. Just right now, you're a little young to be looking at that kind of imagery. Like, it, it in itself is nothing wrong with. Um, right. And probably to think about, like, for from his perspective, that was probably a never a rule that you put on the six-year-old like and no looking at porn you know? right <laughs> right i never laid that out of my right. list of online safety and so I, I don't know you know what exactly else we can talk about with honesty you know we talk about the truth which is a whole different matter of mm. you know perspective but i just i guess i feel like i i don't know I th- I'd like to, before today, before this this week's vacation, where I had to start considering that I'm not going to follow Maryland's rules. I would have said, yeah, I'm pretty much honest all the fucking time, right? Like mm-hmm. that's what I do. But I wasn't considering my my tax my taxes <laughs> when I did when I would say that, right? I'm thinking, oh yeah, I'm honest with my wife, even when I don't want to be, right? Even when I want to buy something and and tell her it was something else that I purchased, like I still I'm honest about it, even when my brain says don't be. 
I'm honest with my kids to the best of my ability, even when I know I'm going to hear their shit about it later, right? So, yeah, I'm an honest guy. And now I'm looking at it and I'm like, am I? Am I an honest guy? I guess mostly, but... Well, and I think there's there's some, you know, humility that comes with doing, like, a tenth step on a daily basis where, like, I always did it from in Narcotics Anonymous. They have that IP number 10, which is the daily inventory. I think it's number 10. Um, it's the yellow one. It's the daily inventory that has all the questions in it. And, you know, one of those... Some of those questions in there are about, you know, what I did wrong today. And it's like if I ever get through days where I'm like, oh, I did nothing wrong today. I was perfect today. Like then I'm not in a fucking probably in the best of spaces, you know, because even though I aspire to live by all these spiritual principles in every situation in my life, it's not fucking reality. You know what I mean? As much as I want to think that it is. If it is, if I really believe that, then I – I'm out of touch. Um, I've lost my self-honesty, my self-criticism. So can you think of any other examples where you have not been honest in any recent venture in your life? I'm trying to – I would have never thought of the gym without you bringing, you know, your current gym situation up. But I was definitely not honest there. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's more. I can't think about them. I, I know – like I've lied on applications for uh, like Little League, you know, the volunteer applications uh, right. when it comes to filling out criminal histories and stuff. I've lied on that stuff, hmm. um, you know, just out of probably embarrassment more than anything else. It's like I don't know if I want people to know this about me or my history. Right. Um, there's been some of that on volunteer forms and applications. Is there a time where honesty – isn't useful i mean I, okay let me rephrase that because there's obviously a lot of times honesty is not useful uh when you're trying to do some certain <laughs> things or get some certain outcomes right um or it's not the best yeah is there a time when honesty is not maybe maybe not the right thing to do is that a, such a thing without going to a you know somebody abducts your kids with a gun to their head scenario so uh, i mean uh, and what i thought of i thought of this earlier and i wasn't even sure i was going to bring it up because I thought of it exactly on this scenario that you're talking about. <laughs> so as my mom was getting towards the end of her life and she was dying, which this was – would have been September, I think, two years ago. So she had a lot of anxiety over death, over the fact that she was dying. Um, she had COPD. It was a long, drawn-out process mm-hmm. of her dying. And she would – frequently like get depressed and be like i'm dying i'm dying and we would try to cheer back up and be like no mom you know we'll get we're going to talk to the doctors we'll get your medicine right you know we'll get this you're going to get better we all knew that was a lie you know what i mean like it started getting to a point where it's like okay this is really getting to you know when you when you watch someone deteriorate like that like you know the difference between like and the People from hospital, like the doctors were saying, like, all right, now it's time to call hospice. Hospice needs to come in. Now it's time. Let's get her a a medical bed and put that out in the living room, you know, and that kind of shit. Um, Because she didn't want to go into a hospital. She wanted to stay at home. So we were able to keep her at home. Um, But she 
had a lot of anxiety over that she was dying and we tried to just reassure that it was she was going to be okay and that it was going to get better and and it was more of that like the ignoring the elephant in the room mm. but it still felt like the right thing to do you know and it i don't is. know if i would do that any differently really mm-hmm. that's super interesting to me i can't imagine how that would feel I don't know. I just I feel just as discombobulated by that description as I do of the of the kid description with everything feeling fucked up and everybody acting like it's not. I feel just as screwed up by that. The I would say the difference was so like between the people that were really involved in her care, which would have been my dad, my sister, and me. Like we weren't ignoring things. Like we would go out back you know and sit on the porch and have a conversation about okay now's the time because my dad couldn't tell her that he was making her arrangements for her funeral you know like we didn't it wasn't like a a thing where Mm. anyone would have been comfortable going in with her and saying hey what do you want at your funeral you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like she'd have fucking lost it It yeah right (laughs) like how do you you know Whereas huh. I like to think that's how I would want to be. Like if I was dying, I would hope my family would come in and say, hey, what kind of, you know, what would you like to do at your funeral? What, you know, and I would hope that I would be comfortable enough with death that I would be able to talk about. But my mom totally wasn't. Right. And it was totally like just the whole idea of death. Like she would start panic attacks and, and it was bad. She had a lot of anxiety over it. So it just became a thing that we didn't really talk about with her. But like my sister and my dad and, and me, we would talk about it. We knew, you know. What a we tough... would try to get ready and, and talk to right. our kids about it too. Like we would talk to our kids and they all knew when they were around her just to try to act kind of normal and upbeat and like things were okay. And But it was fucking weird. It was definitely weird. Yeah, it feels like it would be weird. I, I don't know though. I, I mean I have my opinions about it and then when you hit something so powerful as like – asking somebody what they want at their funeral. I'm like, ah, maybe my opinion's fucking stupid. <laughs> you know, that's a little tough. Yeah. That's, that's really, really tough to ask somebody that. I just, I, I'm i not saying I'm going to be comfortable with death. Like, I'm definitely not there today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I, I hope I am, like you describe. I hope I'm ready to have that kind of conversation. But even further than that, I hope that if I'm not... I don't want people to sit there and tell me I'm going to get better if I'm not like that does. I don't, I think I need to face it and, and I'm not saying that's what your mother needed whatsoever. Yeah. But for me, I need to face that shit because it's coming, right? Like not facing it ain't helping me is what I'm getting at. And I think for us, that was like, say that's the weighing it out was, is it really going to do her any benefit to say, look, you're fucking dying. You got maybe a month or two left and You'll be lucky if you make it three. Hmm. Like there just didn't seem to be much benefit in that. (laughs) And, and, And I don't know for her if it would have been or not. But just in picturing myself in that scenario, I think yes. I think there would be benefit to telling me that. Yeah. Like I, that's gonna be. I need to face this shit. Right? Like that's what I deal with in my life every day. Is I need to fucking <laughs> face this shit. And and uh, and a lot of days I don't choose to. Right. But I I think I'm gonna need the help. And facing that scary thing, I think it will provide benefit to me because then I can do something else with it. Once I'm faced with that, I, I got to do something else, I think. Right. Can I live in denial while people are telling me that? <laughs> I don't know. Here's the okay, so when my father died, uh, up until you know the last two days, the doctor and the oncologist kept saying, Oh, yeah, we're you know, we're treating this cancer, we're gonna 
a new way. We're going to try something else. This this way didn't have the result we wanted, but we're optimistic. And the, they talked all that good shit, and it just made it worse for me when the moment hit that it wasn't true, right? I wanted to fucking choke one of them in the hallway when it turns out that, like, you know, I, I remember crying and approaching them and saying, what the fuck is going on here? Like, we were just talking about how great things were going yesterday. And, and he's like, well, I think we know what's going on here. And it's like, well, why the fuck didn't you tell me that all along? <laughs> all right. Like, that's what I need. I need that reality, I guess. Yeah. And see, in, in fairness to us, like, we had the doctors and hospice telling us this stuff. But even the doctors, they wouldn't, they didn't want to really talk to my mom. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, the hospice people. So it weird. weird. Yeah. It is weird. Death is weird. We're mm-hmm. fucking terrified of it. Me, I'm. I am. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm not. So here, and I won't keep us too much longer. But so here's another situation. I'll just bring it up. So one of the reasons I get motivated to kind of do something with my son is because he's overweight. Like he's put on a lot of weight in this last COVID thing. And my wife gets really upset when I talk about this, but it's to me, it's the fucking truth. Like I'm a skin fit, skinny fit person. You know, and I this is lucky. It's just genetics. Right. It's not any fucking thing I do special. I do exercise, but I wasn't overweight before I started. So some of it's genetics. And he typically, like we'd have been in baseball season. We'd have been doing some other things this summer, you know, a lot more activities. And we're not. And baseball season didn't happen. And so he's been really inactive and not only that, but he sits around and plays video games and eats fucking snacks all day. Right. And so he's put on a lot of weight. Um, I don't... We've had talks with him about it because he's somewhat aware and becomes very... Uh, what's the word? Like where he becomes insecure about it. And so my wife gets pissed if I even say, well, yeah, you're put on some weight you're a little overweight she doesn't even want me to say that Hmm. to him um and i don't know you know i don't know if it's best to say that or if it's best to just kind of encourage the activity so i mean this would again another one of my motivators to lie to the gym is you know to help him with his weight because i know it affects him so is it best to go in and tell him like yeah dude you're overweight <laughs> you need to do something about it. In all Make fairness, a bad life choices at eleven, right? You know. <laughs> in all fairness to your son, I, uh, you know, on vacation in my swimming trunks, was <laughs> reminded that I have been overeating slightly. Uh, I'm not, you know, skinny or anything, and I and I don't think I'm obese or anything either. But I definitely don't look like I'm in my best shape of my life right this moment. Um, a few too many snacks at night, maybe eating, you know, spoonfuls out of the tub of icing. <laughs> Yeah. I got a nice tan down there in Georgia and, and you know, just looked at some of the pictures today when we got back. And I was like, ooh, little, <laughs> little middle section uh, extra weight there. And so, I mean, I've seen that in my son, right? My son has very much got the build of me when I was 11, which is a fucking stick figure, right? Skeletor. Uh, and yet, even with him looking like Skeletor... He's got a little pudge belly because there's no baseball, there's no soccer, there's no any of these sports going on, and he's playing video games all goddamn day long and eating snacks. Shocking, right? It happens to all of them, (laughs) even the skinniest ones. Um, And we have pointed it out out to him as a family and comically done it 
I thought like a, a loving kind of teasing, not like a, you know, I, and, and that's a tough line to call too, right? Where's the <laughs> yeah. loving teasing and where's the bullying? <laughs> right. Um, but we, we have done it lovingly, I think. Um, but yeah, it's a real thing. So what is, do you help by not being honest? Like if you see something like that. So we talk about in our program and I don't hear it much anymore, I guess, cause people don't want to hear anybody's fucking opinion, but they used to say that we're each other's eyes and ears. Right. And when we're caught up in denial or, or just not seeing that because we're wrapped up doing something else and distracted, it's the people close to us who can pull us up on that and say, Hey, I know you're not seeing this, but this is what I'm seeing from my perspective. Maybe you might want to take a look at it. And that creates awareness for us to see it, right? And so if we don't point it out, I mean, how many how many people have you thought, man, they're on the road to relapse, and then they relapsed? And you never bothered saying it to them. I don't know if it would have helped if you would have, but it definitely didn't help when you didn't, right? right? Like, I, I don't know. Do we help people by telling them about themselves lovingly? Do we help people by being honest to the best understanding of, of honesty and is it well is it still is it are we practicing honesty by omission i guess is that a thing like <laughs> right you know can am i really being honest if i omit to tell someone something either when they ask or when it comes up or when there's an opportunity i mean i don't think we just go out and start telling everybody about themselves all the time that's yeah, different definitely. but there'll be like with my son there's been conversations or been opportunities you know where we've had those conversations and so what is the the what do we come up with here you know i think we're we're phasing to the end of this conversation about honesty what what is like our golden rule of honesty right like what is the number one priority just do it when you can. Uh, like, is it do it or don't do it, but there's consequences for not doing it? Or depending on your level of honesty will depend on your level of freedom? Like, is that a... We didn't, I don't even think we addressed that a whole lot. Yeah, well, the older I get in life, the more I realize that, you know, the only... What is there, there a saying about the only exception to the rule is a rule or something like that? I don't know. Like, yeah, there's a, there's a saying about, you know... Exceptions and rules. Anyway, I can't think of it at the moment. But there isn't ever going to be, for me personally, a hard set rule on honesty. You know, when it's good and when it's not. I'm going to try to be the most honest person that I can in all areas of my life. Unless I think it's going to be harmful to other people. And then I have to look at the harm that I'm causing and weigh out whether, you know, what... How does that balance out? You know, is it is the honesty worth the harm? Like sometimes it's going to be where that is going to harm that needs to happen. And then there's going to be times where I don't think it is. And I will err on the side of compassion. See, and I'm like, even if I, even if I went and got this COVID test, right? Even if I was choose to do that, I would be doing the right thing for the dentist. I'm still going to break the rule and go to the fucking grocery store because I need groceries and I, I'm not going to ask anybody to go to the grocery store for me. I'm just not like, so even if I do the pickup, I guess I could, but I'm still not quarantined. Technically I'm still encountering somebody, maybe less of it, but it's just like, I I feel like no matter what I do, I'm going to be breaking this Maryland guideline. 
You already uh, did. You're here. Yeah, I'm fucking here. <laughs> I went to the gas station before I came here, too. <laughs> right. I fucked it all up. Well, fuck it. I'm, I might as well just keep you're going. right. Now. Since you're already pregnant, you might as well fuck it now. Right. I can just feel bad Honestly, about this whole situation right. after. <laughs> yeah. It's an all or nothing. Since I already broke it, it's already broke. There you go. <laughs> so, fuck the dentist, I guess. I don't know. I guess he'll get COVID if I got it. I don't know. I, Maybe I was, the honesty is that I have to realize when I'm being dishonest. <laughs> like, just have to know? Yeah. It's hard. It, it really is. Uh, there's so many situations in my life when I, I, even just to consider this kind of stuff, and I'm like, fuck. I've changed so much that now I'm the guy who has to consider if this is going too far. Like this right. thing that before I wouldn't have gave a fuck. I wouldn't have even realized I was doing it. I was right. like, no, I ain't been out of state. Fuck that. And now it's like, God, I actually care, and I wonder what kind of human I am, and if this represents the person I believe I am. Yeah, and and to consider, like, I used to uh, measure myself by the quality of the lies that I could tell people to get money or to mm. get out of a situation, you know. I used to think, man, I'm really good at this. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I used to be such a good liar, and I took, <laughs> I felt like that was some badge of honor. <laughs> <laughs> And nowadays, I'm like, fuck, I lied on my taxes. I feel guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, the IRS is not listening to our podcast. Um, So I guess that's about all we have for honesty. Please feel free to reach out with uh, your beliefs or interpretations of honesty or, or, or any thoughts you have about honesty or to tell me I'm a fucking jerk for not telling the dentist, which I'm not sure what I'm going to do right now. Uh, and, and we'll see you next week and we'll have another topic to talk about then. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share it with people you think might benefit from the conversation. Look us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to join the conversation also and share your ideas with us. We'd love to hear it.